Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Illini guy Mike Kegley, and tonight we will be talking with Henry Greenstein, the sports editor of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. He is going to preview the Kansas Jayhawks, who are 1-0, and Illinois is going to play them this Friday night at 6.30 on ESPN2. This is the first time that Illinois has played at Kansas since 1892. That's right, well over 120 years ago, when Illinois lost in what must have been a sparkling 26-4 to game. These two teams don't play very often. The last meeting was a 47-7 to Kansas victory at Illinois back in 1967. Thank goodness the Illini shut out Kansas in 1916, 1917, and 1929 they own a three to two advantage over the Jayhawks in terms of the series lead. This should be a very good game, a high risk game for the Illini going on the road to a non-conference power team. They have not won one of these games since 2007 when they defeated Syracuse. And before that in 2001, when they defeated Cal. So the good thing is when Illinois beats a non-conference power team on the road, they go to the Rose Bowl or apparently the Sugar Bowl. So there's a lot riding on the game. But anyway, after this message, we'll be back with Henry Greenstein. Are you looking to grow your business? Do that with the Illini Guys Radio Network by broadcasting on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. We have over 20 stations, including stations in Chicago, St. Louis, Champaign, Decatur, Springfield, Bloomington, the Quad Cities, Rockford, Peoria, Marion, Quincy, and Jacksonville, amongst others. You can reach over 11 million people in the state of Illinois by partnering with us. Send me an email, mike at IlliniGuys.com, and let's find a way that we can build your business together. Welcome to Eye on the Illini, and as promised, we have... Henry Greenstein, who is the sports editor of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. So, uh, Henry, uh, thanks for coming on Eye on the Illini this week to talk a little bit about a pretty scary game for the Fighting Illini fans uh, visiting the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, I'm really excited to discuss it. I think this is a super pivotal moment for both of these teams as they try to build on the momentum of last season. Yeah, I, I think that is is so, so true. And we've already talked with our fans about the fact when Josh Whitman, who has a, been a very good athletic director for Illinois, when he decided to play Toledo in Kansas, I'm not certain that he thought Toledo would be the defending MAC champions, nor did I think he, you know, he planned on uh, Kansas coming off of a bowl appearance with that 13-year dry streak that they had um, before Lance Leipold got there. Yeah, it's funny how those things work out. And actually, uh, before he was at Illinois, I believe Josh Whitman was the uh, athletic director at my alma mater, Washington University in St. Louis. Yes, um, yes. But yeah, I, it, I think that both of these teams are trying to get back to a level they have not accomplished since 2007. Uh, I think Illinois stepped forward in some uh, regards was even more of a giant leap than Kansas's last year. But on the other hand, Kansas has been so starved for success that the level of hype around this team this year is unlike anything that I've seen before. And 
yeah, the players are under a lot of scrutiny and that really comes down to this game in part, like a Friday night primetime with new uniforms. And I heard Brett Bielma talking about this in his press conference that the level of anticipation around this game for Kansas is, is off the charts. Yeah, and and it is. And, and Illini fans have a similar history to what uh, Kansas fans have is it seems like when the team gets good, the rug always gets pulled out from under the uh, feet of the Illini fan. Uh, obviously, that's a little melodramatic, but uh, as somebody who's been through uh, the you know a long time ago, like the '80s, Illinois won. Uh, they had a winning record eight out of ten years from '81 to '91, and then since uh, John Makovic left for Texas in 1991, they've had eight winning years since mm-hmm. then. So it's 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 a very very um, uh, sensitive group in terms of just been very frustrating for Illini fans because you have a good year and then you're you're anticipating a second year and it it it's a challenge. Now uh, in in Illinois's opener, they played a very very uh, tough Toledo team, a team that I think their their worst case scenario, barring you know injuries would be a 10 and two season. Uh, It's a pretty good Mac team. Now they they've come up against the Kansas Jayhawks on the road. Um, I think the biggest question that, that people have is who is going to be the quarterback this Friday night. And that is indeed Mike, the million dollar question that everyone wants to know the answer to. I think that the messaging out of Kansas has been so inconsistent since August 7th, the first day that we spotted that Daniels was not there during the open portion of practice to media. Um, And there's just so much uncertainty surrounding it. And I think that's for a few reasons. You know, I think KU is especially sensitive because of the way that information was and was not disseminated when Daniels had his shoulder injury last year that caused him to miss four games and sort of halted KU's momentum after that 5-0 and start. I think that's one reason why they've been rather cagey about it. The other thing is, I think maybe just the nature of an injury like this, which has been described as back tightness, is that it can it can reoccur and it can disappear and it can come back without warning. And you know, on last Monday, prior to the Missouri State game, uh, Lance Leipold said, when he was asked, is Jalen starting on Friday? He said, well, we just put out our depth chart, the depth chart on which Daniels was first, of course, and we're going to play everyone who's available and Jalen practice today. And a lot of people sort of used deductive reasoning from that and said, well, Lance Leipold says Jalen Daniels will start on Friday, but he didn't really say that. And Sure enough, we we uh, monitor things in the hours leading up to kickoff, and then we see Jason Bean come out there. Um, and I think KU is really fortunate to have Jason Bean, who's a sixth-year senior who's started numerous games at the Power Five level, and even before that was a starter at North Texas. But I do think that, especially matching up against a team like Illinois, where a lot of the rushing lanes will be clogged by those great defensive tackles, and the secondary might be a little more vulnerable, you want to have the best possible pure passer out there. Um, and so I think it'll be super important for Jalen Daniels to start to give KU the best chance possible. Um, and, you know, yesterday we heard from Lance Leipold that he had taken the most reps he has at any point since the initial injury. And we heard from offensive coordinator Andy Kotelnicki today that that level of reps continue today. So right now I feel more certain 
that Daniel was going to start this Friday and I did heading into last Friday's game. Okay. Now, you know, looking at the, the stats, um, being, you know, last, last week went what 22 for 28 with 276 yards and two TDs against the Missouri state bears. I don't care what level of competition you're up against. That's, that's a pretty good day. And, and he even rushed for another 41 yards and, and had a long run of 17. So I'm not certain that Illinois is dodging the biggest bullet, you know, uh, just because of the, the play of, of uh, Jason Bean. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I didn't mean to diminish what Bean has accomplished because, you know, quarterbacks coach Jim Zabrowski said that Bean is the most improved player he's ever seen in his 30 years of coaching. That's high praise. And everyone's been raving about how much more of a leader he is and just how important it was for him to come back. He has the respect of his teammates, certainly. He's become a more aggressive runner to the extent that he doesn't go out of bounds, which was a common gripe of KU fans as much as he once did. Um, and, you know, the game against Missouri State, that stat line does belie the fact that he made some pretty ill-advised throws. He tried to hit Jared Casey in triple coverage at one point. Uh, but it was still a very impressive performance. He was really efficient. He, he you know, he found Luke Grimm and Quentin Skinner and, and Lawrence Arnold early and often, just in the way you'd hope for Daniels to. And certainly I think that if Bean does get the start, which I think is less likely now, but if he does get the start, I do think it'll still be a very competitive game. And that will create a sort of different challenge just because of Bean's pure speed on the outside and what he can present in like a speed option kind of scenario. Daniels is, a, is an uh, elite athlete himself, but a lot of people, including within the program, believe that Jason Bean is the fastest member of the team. Wow. Okay. Now that that's a key learning there that uh, this, this, that makes me even more uneasy as an Illini fan um, based upon, you know, how much uh, Finn was able to get loose last week against Illinois for almost a hundred yards. So the, the Illini's defensive line did not play to the level that was expected of them. It's one game. So you, you kind of have to file that in the to be judged later category. Um, wh what type of running game does Kansas have, you know, out there, Devin Neal, uh, came close to the century mark, averaging, you know, uh, seven yards a carry uh, for 94 yards last week. Tell us a little bit about the running backs. Yeah, so Devin Neal, uh, Lawrence native, he's a hometown kid, much beloved here. Um, true, an elite runner, I believe, you know, a preseason all-conference selection. The challenge for Kansas is to give Neal the requisite number of carries that he deserves while also working in the, the several other talented backs they have in their backfield. Against Missouri State, four different running backs scored rushing touchdowns, those being Devin Neal, uh, Dylan McDuffie, Daniel Highshot, and Sevian Morrison. And for Neal and McDuffie, that was both of their first carries of the game. So strong showing uh, from those guys right out of the gate. Um, they all have slightly different skill sets. You know, Highshaw is seen as more of a bruiser. I, if you've seen his his receiving touchdown at Duke last year, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but I think that Andy Koldnicki really likes to kind of customize different plays to these different players, and he does a great job tailoring sets to different personnel. I think that you can expect that wasn't like just a, hey, we're playing FCS team, let's throw in all these guys. Illinois will have to see all four of those guys. And 
even Tory Lachlan, who is a, a converted quarterback, something that I know that uh, Illinois fans are familiar with. Tory Lachlan was recruited like six years ago to KU as a championship winning quarterback out of Texas. He's gone through many phases as a running back, receiver, and special teamer, and he's on the depth chart there too. Another guy you got to watch out for. So, yeah, lots of weapons, and all those guys will will be used in the running game to some extent, just a matter of how much. Uh, now, when it comes to a receiving standpoint, again, another position that Kansas looks to be really deep in on this offense. Yeah, you're correct about that, though. I will say that they have a couple guys who are questionable this week. Um, okay. Tanaka Scott, who's more of a backup, but was seen as kind of a breakout candidate this year, didn't dress. He's dealing with it against Missouri State. He's dealing with a hamstring. He's seen as questionable. Luke Grimm, who scored the first touchdown from Jason Bean in that game, he exited after four catches for 33 yards. He's also kind of day-to-day as well. So those are two, I mean, Grimm in particular is kind of like a safety valve for these quarterbacks, regardless of whether it's Daniels or Bean. So that's significant to note. You know, Arnold and Skinner are great deep threats. and um, But I think that even if Grimm and Scott are both unable to play, yeah, it's a deep receiving core. Doug Emelian, the Minnesota transfer, has really done a lot with the extra reps he's gotten in those guys' absence. Uh, Trevor Wilson, who had a super impressive catch against Missouri State and is also the return man, um, will see more action. So I think the, losing Grimm and his ability to like get stuff done over the middle would be pretty unfortunate for KU, but I think they'll pick up the slack regardless. And the key point of emphasis for these guys all offseason was yards after the catch. So keep an eye out, I guess, for what they do when they turn around, catch a curl route, and then how quickly they're able to sort of like reverse direction and move forward or whatever. And it's a, it's a, it's a long um, receiving core, you know, with Skinner at 6'5", Lawrence at 6'3". So th- these are the type of guys who can go up and get the 50-50 ball. Yeah. And my understanding is that in a lot of ways, Illinois is, is built similarly in the sense that they have some tall guys on the outside and, and you know, Williams doing stuff over the middle. So I think in, in some sense, I mean, I guess that's sort of the entire concept of having a receiving core, but, but in some ways it'll be a, a familiar sight to Illini fans. And when it comes down to the offensive line, obviously Kansas had a, a, I mean, they scored on almost everybody last year. It it doesn't seem like if this gets into a high powered shootout, Illinois may be running out of bullets quicker than Kansas will. Uh, How has the offensive line been uh, for the team? Yeah. So it's, it's widely viewed as a strength. I think they're in particular, pass blocking they were really good against Missouri State maybe run blocking wasn't quite up to that level um you know Mike Nowitzki at center is the anchor Dominic Punia former Central Missouri transfer we got to talk to today is the left tackle uh you got Bryce Cable doing the other side and then guard spots are kind of interesting you know Michael Ford who got penalized for unsportsmanlike against Missouri State is one of the guards now those are the four returning starters Armandje Reed Adams was kind of projected to be the starter at the other guard spot, but he didn't play the first game due to injury, so Kobe Baines started. Um, Baines has has come a long way, especially because he got a kind of a late start to the year in 2022. He was transferring from Louisville, and he had to wait on a waiver to get approved. Um, so this has kind of been his first full offseason cycle in that sense, and he's progressed a lot. But I do think Baines will be a player to watch, especially because the interior defensive line for Illinois is so um is is so strong in that area and yeah i think that these guys though they have had some success are going to have their hands full to some extent and that's 
part of why I think it's important for KU's passing offense to be the best that it can possibly be. Okay. When it comes to special teams, uh, you know, punting, kicking, return game, how do the how do Kansas look? And and in particular, let's let's talk about um, you know, punting first, which which Kansas didn't punt last week. So you're gonna have to to extrapolate here. What 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 is what is what do they bring to the table at the at the punter position? Yeah, this is an all new unit, uh, just in general, uh, because Leipold was not very happy with how things went down uh, in a variety of ways last year. And, you know, Reese Vern didn't have a very high average in net yards. Jacob Orchill was pretty erratic. So all new guys. Um, at punter is the, the fan favorite, or at least the media favorite, Damon Greaves, who is a 23-year-old freshman from Australia out of the pro, famous Pro Kick Academy that produces so many NFL punters. Um, they basically recruited him over Zoom. Like they just watched him punt while video conferencing because he was in Australia and they had enough faith in him to bring him over. And by all accounts, he's been he's been pretty good. And he's like a Australian rules football player. So he's got like tackling fundamentals and whatnot. But yeah, he didn't punt in the first game. Um, kicker, uh, Seth Keller, the Texas State transfer, who was a Lou Groza watch list uh, member is the starter there. And he converted a couple field goals in the first game. So that was kind of a sigh of relief for KU people who saw a lot of inconsistency at that position before. Lou Cosper is back as the long snapper. Return game has not been much of a factor in years past, but I mentioned Trevor Wilson. He had one sort of promising return and he's looking to bring a new element to that as well. So yeah, a, a lot to be interested and excited about. They brought in Sean Snyder uh, of the, the Snyder family from Kansas State as a sort of special teams analyst, and he's gotten some credit for the improvement. But yeah, Taiwo Onatolu is still the special teams coach there. Yeah, and, and Sean Snyder worked at Illinois last year. So Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so, um, and, um, you know, Hugh Robertson, uh, Illinois' punter, is from um, Melbourne, Australia, and he's actually the third oldest player in college football at uh, – 30 years old. It's crazy uh, how that whole trend is seemingly restricted to just that one position. Yes. Yes. And, and it, it is something because, you know, he's a pro kick uh, Australia product as well. Um, played Australian rules football um, and also spent seven years working for the Victoria police. So you've, you've got a guy back here that I'm assuming that, you know, for Illinois, when, when the punt rush is coming on him, he's probably seen other things in life that have, been just as scary. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when when we take a look at the the Kansas defense now, this the, this defense had its moments last year. Um, what are they returning? You know, let's talk about the defensive line first. Uh, how is this defensive line going to match up against Illinois' offensive line? Yeah, the defensive line has been kind of the big mystery and a lot what a lot of people view as a potential weak point. I mean. You know, Kansas' defense last year, you generously put they had their moments. They struggled in a lot of games. I think their their main moment was the Iowa State game where they held them to 11 points. Besides that, uh, a lot of struggles against some of the higher power offenses of the Big 12. But, yeah, defensive line. So they lose Lonnie Phelps, who is now on the Cleveland Browns practice squad. And in that void, they do not have a go-to pass rusher. So it's been kind of interesting to see the candidates to step up into that role. Um so far, they've mostly relied on kind of returning program guys like Jeremy Robinson, who's viewed as a leader in that group, and 
Hayden Hatcher, everyone talks about how he's the high, he's one of the highest motor guys on the team, a former Juco walk-on. Um, then we got some hyper-athletic transfers like Austin Booker and Dylan Brooks, who were in the mix, and Patrick Joyner. And that position group, the rotation is still sort of being figured out. Robinson and Hatcher are the starters. And then a defensive tackle, Devin Phillips, the Colorado State transfer, stepped in and became a leader right away. People have a lot of respect for him. He he shows them pass rush moves and highlight clips on his phone and stuff. Very well liked. Um, and then, you know, there are a couple other guys in the mix of that position. Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers, who are both guys who worked super hard to improve their body with strength coach Matt Gillersleeve in the offseason, uh, are the kind of contenders at the other defensive tackle spot. I believe Withers officially got the start, but they were both in for a significant period of time against Missouri State. I don't expect that to change. But generally, it's just a lot of guys who have been in the program a while without super, uh, you know, super significant playing time, who are all trying to take steps forward and become sort of the star of that group. And it's not really clear who's going to do that so far, or if it will just continue to be on, as the coaches say, a by committee basis. Now, does that does that uh, translate over to the linebacking unit as well? No, linebackers are, linebackers are a bit more firmly. I mean, they have some improvement to do for sure. But, you know, like Rich Miller is is a longtime leader. He was at Big 12 Media Days representing the defense. He came from Buffalo, where Leipold's staff was before. Um, Taiwan Berryhill at the weak side spot. He was hampered by some injuries at camp, and but he's still there. And then Craig Young plays what is called the Hawk position on KU's defense, which is a kind of hybrid linebacker safety role. He was himself a safety and he's actually one of the team's best pass rushers. So they've been trying to work out ways to have linebackers come off the aid, the edge and help out. Another guy you'll see a lot of, especially subbing for Barry Hill uh, is JB Brown. Uh, one of the names we heard the most all through the spring and the fall, a Bowling Green transfer who apparently like hits the hardest of anyone on the team. And he was, he was around, he got the deflection on Kobe Bryant's interception uh, in the Missouri State game's fourth quarter. Uh, you'll see more of him. We didn't see Cornell Wheeler at all, but he's also believed to be a key reserve in the middle linebacker group. And then we go down to the defensive backs, and of course, Illinois ran into a, a preseason All-American last week uh, for Toledo. What, uh, what are we looking at here with Kansas in the defensive backfield? Yeah, this group's going to be tested a lot more. I mean, as the coaches have been saying, they weren't really tested vertically super significantly in the Missouri State game. This is in theory supposed to be the strength of the defense, but I wasn't totally impressed by how they played against Missouri State, just leaving a lot of open space for the wideouts. And that's not something you should do against FCS wideouts. Uh, so, but yeah, Kobe Bryant, a former all-conference selection, uh, at one cornerback, Melo Dotson at the other, Kalen Gervin, uh, Quentin Lassiter, the brother of Kwame Lassiter, son of Kwame Lassiter the first, um, is also in the mix, and then Demarius McGee LSU transfer. But yeah, you'll mostly see Brian and Dotson as kind of the main anchors of that unit. Uh, at safety, kind of interesting. I mean, Kenny Logan's been there forever, and he'll continue to do he'll continue to do what he's done. He, he's he's just an anchor at that position you know, took a little bit of a step back last year as compared to the year before. So it'll be interesting to see how that trajectory uh, continues this year. But the other position is interesting because OJ Burroughs was long viewed as a starter there, but Marvin Grant has sort of surpassed him. There's been a lot of discussion about how he's really kind of recommitted himself to improvement and 
watching film more than ever. And, you know, lots of things you hear about lots of guys, but in Marvin Grant's case, it, it seems to have paid dividends because he's now starting at that spot, whereas before he was sort of in a third safety role. Um, but yeah, I think this group is going to be dramatic, is going to face a dramatic increase in degree of difficulty. Um, the KU coaching staff has a lot of respect for what Isaiah Williams can do in particular, and he's going to present a threat to these guys. So, uh, you know, you've, you've had a chance to, to watch one game. How do you see this game unfolding if you were going to try to make a, you know, in terms of a prediction, you know, any, any themes or any way you think this game's going to go um, after watching these two teams? Well, odds are that KU will get off to a slow start because that's just kind of what they do. Um, you know, dating back to last season and in the Missouri game, they just don't start off super fast. Maybe things will be different because of all the intensity surrounding this game. And like I said, the new jerseys and the blackout and, you know, the bringing a Big Ten opponent um, to campus for the first time in a while. But generally, you can count on KU getting off to a pretty slow start. From there, it'll be really interesting to see. I think this is going to be a gritty, low-scoring game, the likes of which KU does not often play. And I think that's because they are a team that is built to go over the top on offense and make big plays and try to fool you with trickery and pre-snap motion and lining tight ends up out wide and stuff like that. And everything we're hearing is that Illinois is a team that will force you to go straight ahead. Um, and it's all about the physicality. It's going to be basically, I mean, not that KU isn't trying to be a physical team in every game, but this is going to be a test of that physicality and athleticism that they haven't seen before. I think we're going to, there's going to be, it's going to be a battle in the trenches to a greater degree than KU has seen in a lot of its games, especially uh, if they don't have J1 Daniels arm to kind of take the top off the defense. I think this is a, this will be one of the lower scoring games of the year. For KU. Okay. So uh, if you had to do a prediction, so, do you, and I know we, we ask people to do this and it's, I realize it's early in the week here on, on a Tuesday night, but we got to, the game's on Friday. So it gives you a little bit better, uh, a little less, you know, mileage there. Uh, do you have a, a you know, a, a, a winner and a final score that you, you have in mind? Yeah, I am going to have to predict this in the next couple of days anyway. So it's not, it's not a big deal to think about. Yeah. I've gone back and forth on this for a while. I, I thought, I just didn't think KU would be able to stack up, you know, Illinois getting into kind of a dire situation against Toledo prior to that pick six made me lose a little bit of faith in the Illini in that respect. I I'm thinking like Kansas by three or two points. I I've been thinking like, you know, it's 21, 18 kind of thing or 2017 in that domain. Um, you know, 2017 is the most common score in football. So not exactly a bold prediction on my part. Um, I, I do think it'll turn on a couple of key turnovers. If you're if you're Kansas, you gotta avoid things like Daniel Highshaw's random fumble that completely killed the momentum early on against Missouri State, or getting stuffed on a fourth and one uh, with Devin Neal, which even killed their momentum further. I think that will like the Toledo game to some extent. It will turn on a couple of key turnovers, um, and KU's previously much maligned defense will be under the pressure under pressure to be the beneficiary uh, of those sorts of turnovers. But yeah, that's what I'm, I'm leaning slightly in KU's favor right now. That may change in the next two days before I write up my official preview for the game, but that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. I had, I had Illinois with extreme uh, amount of confidence winning 28 to 27. Um, uh, I think this is going to be a close game. 
I think it's interesting as Illinois tends to start off the first drive and look like, you know, a Super Bowl championship team. And then the second drive and the third drive, you wonder, did somebody kidnap them? Um, and so that's the the formula we've seen. And we saw it again. They went right down the field against Toledo and you, you felt really good about things. And then next thing you know, you know, the, the, they've been two additional possessions that Illinois didn't do anything with the ball. And, yeah. and then the penalties, which are, you know, that that's not Bielma's uh, thing to have a team that makes a lot of mistakes. And, and they had nine uh, penalties by halftime, only had one in the second half, but it was one that set up the final score for the Rockets, uh, a late hit that just didn't make sense at all. Um, and that one, that 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 penalty made made no sense at all, and it ended up um, almost costing them the game. And and those are uncharacteristic um, to have those for the Illini. That's something that they're if they do that against an offense like Kansas, it's going to be an extremely long night. Yeah, it's hard to know how things like turnovers and penalties carry over from week one because everyone's trying to find their form in week one. You don't know if something's going to become a trend or not. But yeah, it's interesting to hear just kind of how these teams have have a shared history in a lot of ways, and and but they're also polar opposites in some others. And yeah, it should well, make for a really compelling match. Yeah, and there was, and to be honest, the the night that um, Lance's team got beat, Buffalo got beat in their championship game. Um, there was a lot of thought in Champaign that the next day that he was going to be named coach. Yeah, and, and yeah, Brett Bielma was yeah, yeah. Brett Bielma was a a pretty well choreographed surprise, as many people had went on the record thinking that it was going to be Lance Leipold, and and you know, so you've got two guys who have similar type of personalities, and and you know, going at it, and they know each other and respect one another, so it should be a great game. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. They they have this whole shared history just from. You know, when Bielman was at Wisconsin, Leipold was at Wisconsin Whitewater. He used to use their indoor facilities. Uh, when Leipold got his first Division One job at Buffalo, Bielman invited him down to Fayetteville. They have some, like, like a crash course of sorts in, in being a Division One coach, and that was when they were preparing for a bowl game. And that generosity has really uh, made an impact in Leipold. I, I, I think they, uh, they saw each other at the draft in Kansas City this past spring, too. So they've been in pretty close contact. And yeah, it's not often you see coaches who are kind of closely connected in that way. Any other uh, comments or thoughts? I, I may not have covered everything you thought I was going to. No, I, I feel like you did. I I just can't stress enough how much it feels like this is an inflection point in the season for both teams. Teams that got off to a really strong start last year. You know, I, I know Illinois lost that game early, but still won so many of their early games. And KU started 5-0, and of course. And I, it almost feels like this will determine in some sense or at least have a huge impact on whether or not they're able to replicate that sort of early start or if they find themselves plunging into some sort of downturn. So, yeah, yeah really important. Yeah, Illinois fans are constantly aware of the fact that bad things could happen and mainly because since 1992, you know, eight winning seasons, that is uh, just to give you a context of that since 1951 Ohio State has had five losing seasons 
Illinois has had eight winning seasons <laughs> in the last 32 years. Well, so, you, you know, there's there your fandom develops certain uh, habits based on what they've seen. And, and so Illinois fans are very concerned about this. But the good thing for uh, Illini fans, which which is probably what we are uh, really hoping for, is that if if they can find a way to defeat Kansas, the last time they beat a non-conference power team on the road uh, was 2007, believe it or not. And they beat Syracuse, and the Illini ended up in the Rose Bowl. Yes. And then the, the time prior to that was 2001 when they beat California and they ended up winning the big big 10 championship and playing in the sugar bowl. So Illinois is really hoping if they, apparently we can book it. If they win this game, uh, we're looking at a Rose bowl sugar bowl type of appearance. So there you yeah. have it. I'm, I'm not certain that there's any linkage that's, that's logical of what I'm saying, but I'm just reading these two, the last time it happened type of things. Well, I'm sure that's that will be pertinent again next year when the same matchup is replayed in Champaign and everyone's going to be talking about it then too. Yes, I think these two teams will will have uh, two back-to-back years of, of very competitive games. And again, it's, it's, it's nice when you have coaches who have that mutual respect and that relationship as well. Yeah, agreed. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Of course, folks, if you were interested, Henry Greenstein, uh, sports editor for the Lawrence Journal World and uh, KUSports.com. So you can you can go out and I would uh, highly recommend you looking at his stuff. That's how I chose to bring him on the show. I had, had interesting articles and I would I would definitely say to get prepared for the game. I don't think there's any better place to be. I appreciate you saying that, Mike. I appreciate you reading and, and I'm very grateful to have this opportunity. Thank you. And we will be right back after these messages. Whether you live in Champaign or Chicago, halfway across this great nation or halfway across the planet, IlliniGuys.com keeps you in the know. Whether it's game results or what's going on in recruiting behind the scenes, IlliniGuys.com covers it. Only $99 a year and you get a free seven-day trial to kick the tires. Go to IlliniGuys.com. Click the register button that's right next to the seven-day free trial, and we'd love to have you as a subscriber. IlliniGuys.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eye on the Illini. A big thanks go out to Henry Greenstein, who decided to come on and help us out and give our fans a preview of the Kansas Jayhawks. You can catch him at the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. Excellent writer who will get you prepared for this week's game. We look forward to seeing you after the game. We will be doing a podcast right after with our instant take, and then we will do a more in-depth one about an hour after as well. We are really looking forward to this one. ESPN 2, 6.30 p.m. Go Illini.